0: What do you think in say 10 years these these betterment centers will look like? What do you think they'll even be called?
1: Wow. Well, I hope sparked. <laughs> oh, that I goes hope without my saying, would yeah.
0: Be... <laughs> so the yes, sparked I hope my betterment would be center, over. <laughs> right? Or, or you'll be like um, Google.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in every country, everywhere. Um, but um I think every I think Two things. One, every gym will have a an area where there'll be some kind of cognitive training going on, some kind of cognitive training, some brain fitness training going on. There's been, there's been a massive focus on, you know, meditation and so on and so forth. I think it's only a matter of time where this is going to become way more mainstream than it is now. We are just really at the beginning of it, to be honest. On the other hand, so these will be kind of the more the more usual gyms, the, the big chains, the big box gyms, and that, that's going to be great. That's going to be very very exciting. Um, I think the other thing, like you just mentioned, we will have way more customized services. So people are going to want to know everything about their health. They wanna, they're going to want to track everything. They're going to follow protocols about, you know, exactly the, the goals that they are trying to achieve and look at their health really from a way holistic point of view. I mean, longevity is already a big topic. And I think that's, that's only going to get bigger. Hi, this is Anna Milani from SPARK, the brain and fitness hub, and welcome to the NeuroNoodle podcast.
0: Welcome to NeuroNoodle's NeuroFeedback and Neuropsychology podcast featuring neuropsychologist Dr. Laura Janssens, tech whiz, neurofeedback legend Jake Gunkelman, author of NeuroFeedback and the Treatment of Developmental Trauma, Seaburn Fisher, and tech genius Santiago Brand. Boy, his arms are tired. He just flew in from New Delhi. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. This is an All-Star cast that are more than happy to share their knowledge with you. My name is Pete, and today we have a very special guest, Anna Milani, CEO and brain trainer at Spark Fitness. But before we get to Anna, we got some Patreon love to dish out. We'd like to thank our Patreon business sponsors as well as our show sponsor. Mary Tracy's Neuro Training Strategies offers a higher standard of EEG, QEG education to EEG clinicians, technicians, and neurofeedback practitioners with convenient online BCIA and QEG-certified didactic courses. Okay, three things our listeners and viewers can do to help us spread the word of neurofeedback. From Singapore to the States, number one, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you like the video, which you will, Please like and click the bell so it lets you know when our new podcasts come out. That little action will turn three people from watching this into 3,000. Imagine all these lovely people learning about neurofeedback. Number two, give us a review on whatever platform you listen to. Five stars is appreciated, but we'll take four and a half on Apple Podcasts. And number three, if you have the means, please support us on Patreon slash NeuroNoodle. There are different levels in which you can support, whether you're a mom or dad or a clinician. There's even an option where you can have a whole hour of Q&A with our own Jake Gunkelman. Hey, the money that comes in, nobody's buying any Mercedes out there. We're just trying to pay to improve the quality of our content here. Okay, let's talk mental and physical fitness with Anna Mililani. Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Pete. How are you
0: I'm doing good. I'm looking at, uh, the
1: other I
0: don't know what is going on here.
2: Sorry. Hold on one second. I, I, I got it. I know
0: you just came in from new Delhi and
2: I know you're a little bit tired. There we, are. Hey, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh boy.
1: They made it. i am
2: telling you the strangest things are happening today.
0: Oh, Santiago, Santiago. How do you know? Anna, uh, you were very passionate about saying, "Hey, we got to get her on the show." Okay, there she is.
2: But how do you guys know each other? Uh, I met Anna. Uh, was it a, a, about a year ago? Anna that we met roughly. That's, uh, right. Anna, yeah, that's right. I met Anna through my associate Sylvia Wetherill. Sylvia is my associate here in. And actually, Sylvia is now living in Singapore. Uh, in, sorry, in Portugal, where she's from. But before she moved back to Portugal she mentioned that she knew Anna through a mutual friend and uh, that she thought that it would be a good idea for us to meet. And uh, she was right. When I went to Spark for the first time, I fell in love with the concept that Anna is working on uh, because I love how she's combining cognitive training with fitness, which is something I've been always very interested in. And, you know, throughout the, the last 12 months, we've been, talking and seeing how our skills and our interests intersect and how we can uh, get to work together. So that's that's how we met. And, you know, the opportunity presented itself where we have a mutual friend from India who is in the fitness industry and she very kindly invited us to Delhi to the Asia Edifice Summit where we just presented 48 hours ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something like
0: that.
2: <laughs> Something like that, yeah.
0: So Santiago, you just got back in, and what is it—a a, six-hour flight or something like that from Singapore to uh, New Delhi? To five South, and a half, five? yeah, F- five and a half. Okay. Um, now, what what went on at the event? Like, what did, you, you guys went on there and you spoke? Like, what happened? I saw all these pictures of Santiago because you know Santiago doesn't like social media, but I, <laughs> I saw some of the ones. You were in Agra, you, ch- you, you, you saw the Taj. What, what else happened over there, Santiago?
2: Well, uh, as I said, we have a, a mutual friend with Anna, and she uh, invited us to this uh, summit. And it's, it's a fitness summit, which happens every year. And it's the first time they're, they're, they're hosting it since COVID. Um, and they, they held it for about three to 400 people who are mostly personal trainers in, in India, uh, and they had it at this beautiful hotel near the airport. And, um, you know, Gary Mahu's who's friend, mutual friend, was very interesting in our work. And she thought that it would be interesting for the participants of the subject to hear a new concept, um, you know, combining what Anna is doing at Spark and then what I'm doing at MindLab here in Singapore. So Anna and I sat down, we talked about it, and we decided that would be a good idea. And they gave us uh, 90 minutes. And for 90 minutes, we were just... Talking about how exercise impacts the brain. So, Anna was showing some of the uh, work that she does with her state of the art technology. And I was showing some scans, some, some, some EGs pre and post exercise. And you know, we're, we're very surprised because being that is the very first time somebody's presenting something like that at the summit, we weren't thinking we were going to have too many people attending. We ended up having, I don't know, 50, 60 people. I mean, the room was packed. And uh, people stay throughout the talk and seem to enjoy what we did. And certainly Anna, Anna and I had a great time doing that.
0: Anna, I can't wait. All right. Enough of Santiago. Anna, <laughs> tell me about mixing, working out your your physical body and your mental body. How long have you been doing that? Give us the background. How did you get into it? Tell us how you started your business. We want to hear it all.
1: Fantastic! I will tell you everything. So the first time I've been in this industry for, I started in movement, contemporary dance. Then I went into becoming a personal trainer. I did Pilates and I always tried to evolve. So I was getting quite bored with the fitness industry. It's all about bodies. It's all about how, how you look and stuff. And I was like, oh, there's got to be more than that. And I literally came across uh, a slide uh, from a, from a course actually in the U.S., that talked about and showed how um, different types of exercise impact the brains in different ways and different networks. And I was like, what you kidding me so that really opened my eyes and 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 I just got so fascinated with the topic so I went and did a lot of courses um, brain based coaching you know brain health trainer course, various neuroscience coach uh, courses and from there I started thinking okay well this this type of training and technology has mainly been used on special populations, so sports people um, Uh, athletes, of course, so in corporates, perhaps, uh, pilots, neurosurgeons, but also for rehabilitation purposes, traumatic brain injuries, uh, dementia, so on and so forth, Parkinson. But I thought... I think there's this there's, there's scope for it to be really brought into the fitness world and, and make it re, try to make it at least mainstream. So democratize this type of training. So that's what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to create awareness and spread the word. And, and the more I was researching the training and the technologies, the more I was realizing it is really helpful for everyone, like from kids to, to adults, to seniors, to for prevention for people with neurological conditions. And so I conceptualized the whole space and gym, which looks somewhat, somewhat of a gym, but it also doesn't look like a gym. But yeah, so that's how we really came up. And we only opened last year. Uh, during the pandemic, not the best timing, but uh, we've been able to do a lot of exploration. So the first hub, it's called Spark, the Brain and Fitness Hub, and uh, that allowed me and my colleagues and obviously as well with Santiago to really explore a lot of different ideas, different training with different populations. And um, yeah, I mean, a big component of that is also gamification. Which I think is very important to highlight is is stack based, is science based, but there is a, there is this layer of uh, of uh, gamification. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can certainly say from a training perspective, we've we've had a lot of fun with it, and uh, I think there's gonna be more and more to come.
0: New Year's Day, you're hungover, you feel fat, out of shape, and you're like, okay. I got to go to a gym. I got to get a trainer that motivation lasts. I don't know Maybe if you're lucky a month, uh, and then you just bought the subscription for the year and you only use one month of it. That doesn't work. Okay. Tell me how it's different by, by using uh, your product. And how does a typical, like when, when a client comes in off of the street, how, how, how are you introducing your concept to them? How does it work?
1: Um, in different ways. First, it really depends who you have in front of you because when, when we when we get clients we tend to get clients that have absolutely no idea what we're doing so they come and they kind of give it a go and stuff and so we we kind of layer the, the the what we want to tell them right the story that we want to tell them or what what kind of angle we want to go with or on the other hand we we get the real geeks that have heard about it and want to know everything about it right so there's kind of two different so on different- the
0: outliers on the spectrum right
1: yeah so obviously with the with the more generalized view it's like yeah you're working your brain and you're working your body so you are working out like in a normal gym but on top of that you're getting extra benefits you're getting to work out your brain and as they do these different types of training and and so on they will they literally do a session and they'll say to you oh wow I really feel my brain has had a workout because I've been working out um so that's 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 in a nutshell, in, in that sense. Um, whereas with the people that want to know more, they, they'll, they'll be very inquisitive and find out a bit more, but how does that motivate clients? So of course we try and help them from a behavioral, uh, perspective. So we want to encourage, you know, um, behavioral change, of course. And I think by working on the brain, that kind of happens somehow anyway, Um, but the process of, and the journey of, of the way we train clients is we give them a cognitive assessment, okay, an online digital assessment with certain clients. We will also have Santiago do a, a brain scan, a brain map with them. And then from there, from the findings we have, we then create a specific protocol for them to help them with their goals. And after around three months, we'll then retest them again. So that's how we, we, we keep the client's on motivated,
0: so they they come in and they do a a brain map. Uh, you do a nineteen channel, Santiago. What 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 do you uh, what do you do?
2: Yes, that is correct. We're doing nineteen channels, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to share my screen here just okay. to show you what we uh, spoke about. Um, so this is before I even moved to Singapore, and this was when I was. Uh, living in Colombia now when I was living in Colombia I was thinking about doing something like uh, very similar to what Anna is doing with Spark in Singapore right now and I was researching the technology and everything because I've always been a big believer in combining exercise with uh, physical exercise with neurofeedback and very anecdotally I have observed very powerful results in the people I've used with when when I have them come for neurofeedback and then run on the spot for five minutes and then go back to the neurofeedback, they perform much better. And that got it interesting to see what's happening in the brain. Now on this PowerPoint I have uh, on the left, it's the eyes open EG of a 38-year-old female who came uh, looking for my services for anxiety. And mainly what you can see is the beta bursts that are spread out to the front and the back. And, you know, normally when I see this beta burst, I, I normally see them people with covert anxiety on the outside, this type of client looks very calm and uncollected, but on the inside is where the anxiety takes place. So they're quite insecure and quite self-conscious. They just don't project it outward. And I said, well, let's, I, I want to try something new with you. I want you to go on this elliptical machine for 45 minutes. I'm going to scan your brain after and see what happens. And that's where you get to the right, and you see the same time period, forty-five minutes later, and you can see there's a great reduction in the beta spindling, and she reported that her anxiety went down quite significantly. Now, this is doesn't file; it's, it's not following formal research steps, the formal, you know, the, the, the the scientific method per se, but it's a good first indication of what exercise does to the brain. And to me, one of the main components of exercise, and it's something Anna mentions a lot in her presentations, is BDNF, uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is a a growth factor that is secreted by the hippocampus, and it's normally triggered by movement, mainly exercise. And BDNF has two main uh, components to it. One is that it fosters neurogenesis, so it will foster the growth of the glia cells. Uh, hippocampal glia, which in turn fosters more volume and better functional connectivity in the brain. But more interestingly to me is that it, it, it's a cortisol booster, So it, it neutralizes the effects of cortisol. Now, cortisol is one of those hormones that will go into the brain and due to its molecular uh, size, will be able to permeate the blood-brain barrier going to the hippocampus and start killing cells. And when we exercise and we secrete BDNF, we're neutralizing the, the negative effects of cortisol on the brain. So as you can see, this is just a small sample, but it's a very, it's a very powerful picture. And I think a, a, a quite a strong statement of what exercise can do for you. Now, the way I see it is you have somebody come for neurofeedback. They do it for a few minutes and then you have them do a few minutes of fitness, get the BDNF going. Well, it's going to, you know, it's going to enhance the function of the brain to the point that they're going to benefit from both more more in depth. And, you know, with Anna, we're thinking, well, how can we take this into the research field? So we're just trying to come up with ideas into how we can turn this into a case study or a case study series that we can uh, later publish just to show. Now, I'm going to fast forward and towards the end, you'll see that what we did was to have somebody do of this. So I don't know uh, if Anna you want to talk about this, but basically what we're doing here is combining with Anna's, te- Anna's technology spark. But I want Anna to to explain what what these uh, types of uh, gadgets do.
1: Yeah. Do you actually? Can you click on the video, Santiago, so they, they can see the.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So what I'm doing here is basically I'm tracking four targets out of eight targets in a 3D environment. So I'm wearing 3D glasses as well. You can't see it from the video there. But when the game starts, the target starts moving. I focus my gaze roughly in the center of the screen. I'm trying not to move my eyes too much because I don't want to get distracted. So I'm tracking the targets with my uh, peripheral vision as well so after eight seconds roughly the target stops moving and I have to identify whatever each ball will have um, we haven't will have a number on it and I just call out the numbers to identify the not the balls that were moving initially so as I as you can see or or you won't be able to see the targets move faster when I get the answers correct If I get the answer wrong, so I'm not able to identify those targets, the targets will slow down. And there are about 20 trials in each each game and the game is calibrated so that you would get about 50% of the targets correct. So it puts you in a position where you're constantly challenging yourself enough not too hard that you're always getting the targets wrong. So it brings you into that state where your brain is really working in all networks and regions, to be honest. We have done this uh, with Santiago. We have looked at uh, the brain working while doing Neurotracker and we have seen that uh, it probably wasn't from this specific time, Santiago, but we did it a while ago. And I remember the brain really working out in every possible lobe and, and, and area. So it was quite an interesting um, finding. Yeah. Santiago,
0: what are, what are we training here? And what are we training off of? Is there a
2: database or something we're comparing? What are we trying to improve? You know, first I want to say that when, uh, what Anna was saying in terms of the brain scanning was absolutely right. And I don't have slides here, but I remember we were recording one of Anna's trainers doing this, which is, uh, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Anna, but it's depth perception and uh, peripheral yes. vision
1: yes so you're doing uh, it, there's a lot of benefits by doing this you're definitely training that perception that 3d environment is helping you engage again your 3d neurons and stuff definitely peripheral vision of course attention because you're having to focus on the task for quite a while inhibition you're trying to avoid being distracted by by things that are happening to you uh, around around your environment in fact the way that this type of training starts for a beginner, is by sitting down. So in this case, I was sitting down. To be honest, I have been doing neurotracker for quite some wa- a while, so I'm already in the next phase of it, whereby I'm starting to include the cognitive motor training side of things. So the the, the sorry, the physical task. So the next level from from sitting from a sitting down position would be a standing position. So I do my consolidation phase, sitting down, and then I progress to a standing space, standing stance because that's already so increasing dual task. Standing is harder um, than sitting down. As I progress, I can then make this way more um transferable to whatever skills I'm trying to improve so if I'm an athlete I may be dribbling a basketball if I'm a basketball player if I'm a soccer player and someone might be throwing a ball to me and I might pass it back Um, so you can make this 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 type of training as specific to what you are trying to achieve Um, if you you could also have noise trying to distract you as you are as you're doing this type of training because essentially you're training you're, you're trying to get benefits but in a real type of environment, because when we are driving a car, there's a lot of distractions happening. So um, we need to be able to to pay attention to tasks while there there's things happening around the, our world, basically. Now, when,
2: when we record this speed, it was very interesting because um, we did it with one of Anna's trainer. And uh, when we record EEG, I didn't have the helmet at the time, so I did full 19 channel cap with my with my amplifier. What we saw as she was doing the neurotracker was that we had a burst of Theta at, uh, at the FZ region, which is a, an event-related potential. So we got an ERP which was not previously there as a consequence of the exercise. It was not OCD, rumination, inattention type Theta that you would normally see in some percent of the population, uh, she didn't have any of that activity at baseline. And then while she was doing that, we were able to get that recorded. We were getting the brain to be activated and engaged. And this particular region of the brain was producing this ERP, which is, it's again, it's task-related. And to us, it means that the brain is oriented to the task and doing something specific. Um, and I was able to differentiate it from somebody doing uh, exercise and having the typical ocd uh, theta presentation at cc um, with the exercise we were able to have the person do 45 minutes of cardio one, different exercises with the different equipment that anna has in the gym and then post uh, i think i have the slide here post you can see the reduction in theta uh, amplitude and theta power at, at the Fz region Which means then we are, you know, reducing the hyperconductivity, getting more blood flow to region of the brain and getting the brain to engage in a more favorable way.
0: So Santiago and Anna too, if you're a trainer, I can't, I I don't understand why more physical trainers aren't mental health trainers with neurofeedback, because you can address the uh, procrastination where people are putting off
2: working out, can't you Santiago? Absolutely. And I th- absolutely, you're, you're 100% correct. And I think one of the reasons why that is is because we're heavily permeated by social media. And today, Anne and I had had these discussions before. And one of the main obstacles that we face is the fact that people want to do fitness to look good, they want to look like Instagram models look, whether it's male or female and people get too caught up on looking good and getting followers as opposed to taking care of their brain and their body for health related purposes now it is well known now that you know uh, alzheimers and uh, and parkinson and many other forms of neurodegeneration start years before the symptoms even show up so the symptoms is just a byproduct of the disease finally triggering something to make it noticeable but it is well known that for dementia Parkinson, and many other conditions, the, the plagues that attach to the brain start going there way, way before time. And it's also been shown that exercise, you know, fitness exercise and brain exercise can stay that off. It can not only, you know, it can not only uh, slow it down. It can also prevent. And I think it's sad because there's still a lot of stigma that is, that relates to mental health. So when people think of training the brain, they don't think uh, health, they don't think performance, they think, well, I don't need it, because I'm not broken. And I don't need it, because I'm not crazy. And it's an uphill battle that we continue to face to this day. And I mean, I think, honestly, the the best thing you can do is just to promote and raise awareness, as I was explaining that before.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we, if I can, maybe in their early 40s, even, and they 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 ask me, well, but you know i'm still so young i don't really need this type of training yet, so in their mind they don't feel like they need it, but exactly that, just because symptoms show up like decades later, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't start well early that's one thing. The other thing I wanted to add and on on uh, definitely a big reason why I'm so excited of working with Santiago as well is because what we're trying to do uh, at the gym, especially is to make the intangible, tangible, okay? So a lot of people that would come to go to a regular gym, they want a six pack, they want the biceps and they train a few weeks and yes, they start seeing the blood flow in there and there's a pump and hey, I've got some biceps now going on. But when they train the brain, you can't see the the, 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 change, the change sizes in the brain. Of course, it takes a long time as well for that to happen. It doesn't happen overnight, right? And so people, they feel like after, after a workout, they'll feel like, wow, I feel my brain is awake and stuff. But at times it may not be enough of a motivation. But if they see it tangibly on a scan, with waves and, and so on, then that's really, really powerful. And that's the purpose of what we are trying to do, at least on my side for sure, is to really show that to people and go, look, believe me or not, is here <laughs> for you to see. So
0: somebody comes in in the interview with Anna and they, they give uh, uh, their, their goals and their expectations of what they want at the end of this time period that they wor- work out. When you do the 19 channel, I don't know what you call it. I don't know what the protocol is that you train for. But what would you see if somebody is more prone to putting off a workout or procrastinating? What would you see on that
2: brain map? Normally, you tend to see uh, slowing in the prefrontal cortex and the sensory motor region. Uh, it, it's it's normally under activation of the prefrontal cortex and the sensory motor, motor regions that it, it's a common finding in people who tend to procrastinate. Their their executive functions are not quite consolidated, and uh, the motivation element is not there either. You know these are. Functions that partly take place in the frontal cortex. Of course, there's other brain regions involved, but normally I tend to see that. You know, I tend to see the typical uh, theta-beta ratio, or, or more theta power than beta power. at Cz, uh, F3 and F4, F7, F8 tend to be regions that are highly involved with with that. And when I when I describe those for the for the people out there who don't understand, it's just specific regions in the frontal cortex which are involved with your decision making and your motivation. And that means that if you have slow brain waves, uh, for the most part—not in its entirety—for the, for the most part, you have reduced blood flow to that region of the brain. And if you have a reduction in blood flow to that region of the brain, your brain's pretty much going to get lazy. And if your brain gets lazy, you're going to get lazy. So you're you not you're not going to see the point in exercising because it's hard. And that has to do a lot of with the level of neuroinflammation of persons it's it's uh, it's facing. Sometimes exercise can be counterproductive if you have a high degree of inflammation going on. If you have a client who who is exercising, starts exercising but they feel worse after they do it, not better then you have a client with a high degree of neuroinflammation. You have to dampen the neuroinflammation and take the exercise progressive. I think, uh, and probably Anna can attest to this is that exercise prescription is key. Uh, First of all, If you're going to exercise, you need to exercise and do an exercise that you enjoy. If you don't like running, then you shouldn't be running. If you don't like swimming, then you should not be swimming. If you don't like dancing, then why are you dancing? You should do something that you enjoy doing because then and only then you're going to get the motivation to do it. Now, because uh, as you said, Pete, we have uh, lots of parents and uh, counselors and teachers listening to us. I always tell people this. The adults that we see in our practices today are the kids that were not treated early enough. If we started working with children and doing more exercise and more brain training with with a larger amount of children, we would not see the problems that we see today in the adults. So childhood is the best time to start because it's when your brain is more malleable, it's when it's more plastic, it's when it's more flexible, And it can adapt more easily. And, you know, it's been shown that when you start doing something earlier, you're more likely to stick with it throughout your life, throughout your life. Now, that doesn't mean that as an adult, uh, you know, uh, in your midlife or in your later years, you cannot benefit from this. Of course you can, but it needs to be prescribed in a way that uh, you're going to be benefit from it. Uh, because you, with neurofeedback, you're adding to what the exercise is doing, and then exercise is reinforcing what the, what the neurofeedback can do.
0: Yeah, people coming in that, that aren't motivated. So you have to somehow help them get motivated. Neuro, you know, neurofeedback isn't a magic wand, it's training and it's work to do. People are mo- more willing to take a pill than they are to, to, to work out. Do you address uh, diet and sleep? With them, because they can do it's like an ADHD kid uh, that you're trying to train with neurofeedback, but they're eating Snickers every hour, you know, (laughs) candy bars, right? So I I just wonder how you address that uh, with your potential clients, Uh, diet and sleep.
1: Sure, sure. So yeah, so when we when we onboard clients, one we take them through a, a cognitive test, which is not just a cognitive test really. It also looks at their behavior, it asks a few questions about behavior and lifestyle and also about their metabolic condition. Uh we'd also ask them some general questions, like you said, on sleep, uh, so on and so forth. And based on that, obviously we it makes us aware as coaches on where where some of the issues may be right now. What I'm trying to implement more with my end is one we have obviously referral partners, so we can't be ex- experts in all. So if we we come across specific conditions and stuff, we that we would then obviously refer to a sleep specialist or 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 a nutritionist. In fact, we do work with a very very good nutritionist as well. Um so that's that's that from a from a behavioral coaching perspective, I'm doing the coaching myself and I'm looking at implementing ways and strategies of how I can implement that on a business level. We have started implementing digital solutions because of. Some of the some of the corporate clients we work with, which have expressed uh, um, an interest in us developing certain solutions and stuff, and even on that level, we are exploring, um, including some coaching component into this, because it obviously pay, plays a key role in 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 behavioural change and in and, and how people make exercise a habit. I mean, it can become because you're doing it constantly and so therefore it becomes a habit but well helps uh of course during neurofeedback with Santiago and of course you know ch- trying to really change make the decision yourself about changing your habits and behavior so i think it's a very mixed and combined effort
0: so what do you think the future looks like you think we're going to have gyms uh you think it's not going to be called a gym anymore it'll be a holistic uh betterment center where I mean, shouldn't it start with your DNA, know what your DNA is, so see what you're prone to get your uh, then get your 19 uh, channel scan, then you have a consultant like you to look at it. I mean you have DNA counselors now, right? and then you look at it and you and you map then you have a nutritionist in the same place and a sleep specialist in the same place and you know it's a- com- I don't think people get it i mean i I still don't. It's a combination of things. There is no right answer. Rant, right answer for one specific person. It depends, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody is different. The, you think fingerprints are unique? Try to deal with a gazillion brain cells. Okay,
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely.
0: So you, so you need a Sherpa to guide you through all these things. And I, I think that's what the, what does the future look like to you, Anna? I mean, you're just starting, Santiago, you're getting in there.
2: Uh, and then I see people all the time who are more and more interested in longevity, uh, longevity and biohacking and lifestyle. More and more people, thankfully, are understanding that it's, it's the whole concept. It's nutrition plus sleep, plus your stress management, plus your brain, plus your body. It's not, you know, it's not one Either of those components is everything. Um, My hope would be that it it becomes more affordable and attainable to more people because right now it seems to be for the well-off and the wealthier, and that makes it a little unfair. But of course, as the technology gets better and more manageable, more easily accessible, I think so will be the financial element. I think more people will be able to access this uh, at affordable, fair price. I don't think it should be something for only those who are financially better off. I think it's something that everybody, you know, the rich, the poor, the middle class need to have access to. Because this is something that ends affecting you know, uh, 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 health, uh, health costs, and it ends up costing you and I in tax dollars. And I think that if we can cut on that, uh, we're just gonna be doing a great service. I think Ann and I—I I don't know how you feel about it, Anna, but I feel that like we planted a seed in India, and I think we got quite some people interested. Um, even even if out of the fifty people who were in that room with us, one person got interested, I think we did a great job because they're going to become multipliers as well. And that's 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 our hope. When when Anne and I talk somewhere together, that's the hope we have that people can see that this can be integrated, that that you don't have to start with hundreds of thousands of dollars in investment and you don't have to have a gazillion titles and a gazillion you know uh, uh, initials under your, after your name to yeah. be able to do this you, you need to be educated enough and motivated enough to get something like this going. and i think that this is going to be i would say in the next 20 years we're going to see more more sparks around in um, and more people training their brain and their body all together and looking at their DNA, as you're saying, and look at their nutrition. And I think in 20 years, we're going to have a much more profound understanding of, of nutrition and the glia cells and, and DNA. And it's only going to get better from here.
0: You know, I think 20 years, yes, if we wait for the governments to uh, take action to make insurance pay for this stuff. But I think wouldn't corporations want to have this at their company as part of their onboarding boarding and training process. Because, I mean, if you get your brain prepared to take on the company training, I, I think, and they're in physical shape, good shape, you would have a more productive employee and the output of the per, the person that you have working for you should go up. So companies should be doing this. They should have a sparked, inside the building of the company. I I, I think that'll happen before the government's uh, kick in Santiago. I don't know, but you're in Singapore. Yeah. I'm in the States.
1: Oh, you nailed it. You nailed it. In fact, one of the first thing I thought about doing is eventually having sparked boxes or however they will be called in corporate offices because they are First off, corporates are quite attracted already to the concept. As soon as they hear the brain, of course, they are thinking productivity. They link it to mental health, so they wanna they wanna show they are looking after their employees and stuff. So there's definitely uh, an interest, an immediate interest. Is obviously in what in in what in what milestones are they ready to invest in this? Right? Is it initially through just a webinar? Is it through an event? Is it through a series of classes? Is it then ultimately in, in investing in a, in a full-on facility that will help their employees on a, on a regular basis? So, But again, I think it's really just a matter of time and, and, and it will happen.
0: We just need two sales offices, one using Spark, <laughs> one not using Spark and look at the production in six months and th- there you go, there's your test. Yeah. What do you call it, blind? I don't know what it's called because none of the degrees are here, which is good. But I think that's all you need is, hey, <laughs> what do you say, Santiago? We're we're just regular texts. <laughs> yeah, glorified texts. Glorified texts. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's well, that's sweet. good.
0: We can we can talk. But I mean, that's talking about corporations. But the schools, right? The counselors, right? The whole. So the the, the future is bright, and I think corporations then schools private schools you know you talk about for the elite the special needs kids and and whatnot uh I, i think there there's opportunity there so no all the personal trainers out there learn neurofeedback become a tech open up learn to read brain scans learn to read eegs i mean shoot you make a couple hundred bucks an hour if you're good at it can't you absolutely
2: Absolutely. (laughs) it's not too bad
1: (laughs) Santiago you have to come up with a training course for personal trainers actually in how to read scans you've just given a great idea actually (laughs) yeah that's that's true that's
2: That's what I'm here
0: that's what I'm here for to expand the field make the pie greater Anna Milani thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking about Spark Fitness
1: Thank you, Pete. It's been great. hoping to be back soon with more findings at Santiago.
0: Absolutely. Hey, what's the best way for uh, people in Singapore to find out uh, more about your business?
1: sure so we have a website www.sparkfitness.com or if you're a social media person you can find us on instagram and facebook at SparkFitness. Um, we also are just launching a digital platform called spark plus www.sparkplus.com and uh, you can also find that on uh, instagram
0: and then santiago how about a little love for you how, yes
2: how uh, I, uh, <laughs> I need a, I need a brain is, map
0: in Singapore where do I go That's right you got to
2: come see me it's at the com and instagram is the mindlab.sg or my personal instagram neurosantiago either those three either of those three ways would work
0: I would definitely follow santiago his posts are very entertaining we thank, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We thank you all for listening to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback Neuropsychology Podcast. Hey, we'd like to thank our Patreon business supporters. Mary Tracy's Neurotraining Strategies offers a higher standard of EEG, QEG, education to EEG clinicians, technicians, and neurofeedback practitioners with convenient online BCIA and QEG-certified didactic courses. Register now at EEGstrategies.com. Okay, you want to help out neurofeedback, guys? Three things you can do. Number one, subscribe to your YouTube channel. And I know you like this video, so hit the like button and cl- click on that little bell so you can be notified when our new podcasts come out. That little action takes three people from learning about neurofeedback to 3,000. Number two, give us a review on whatever platform that you use. Like Apple Podcasts, five stars, we'll take four and a half. It is so appreciated. And if you have the means, please support us on Patreon slash NeuroNoodle. There are different levels where you can support us, whether you're a mom or dad or clinician. There's even an option where you can do your own Q&A with Jay Gunkelman. Hey, all the money that comes in, don't worry, I'm not buying a Mercedes yet, but I am able to pay for all the uh, content upgrades that you're seeing as the show progresses. We thank you all for listening.